So we're going to continue our series. I know that um, you've heard plenty of my voice already this morning, uh, but we are going to uh, g- uh, move on to our fifth week in our series, Epic, and just kind of give you a recap of what we're doing. Remember, we are going through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation in six weeks. And so it's always hard to kind of... Uh, dig in on too much of those things. But what we're doing is we're looking at the salvation story of all of Scripture. And things are becoming pretty clear because we're getting kind of later on in the story. And so we have our mural here that kind of depicts all of the different scenes that we've talked about. And um, we remember at the beginning of the story of Scripture, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. It was not snowy. It was not eight below zero like it is today. Um, It was good. It was a beautiful paradise. And what was particularly beautiful about it is the connection that human beings had with their creator. It says they walked with God and interacted with God. And there was no sin that was present. And at that point in time in history... That was God's design, and he said, it is good. But we know that the story quickly shifted as human, human beings disobeyed God and sin enters the world. And so as we talked about in our second week of the series, the fall is where human beings fall away from God's will, and sin enters the world and destroys creation in profound ways that we can't even fully grasp, but it becomes the beautiful picture of creation becomes almost like a painting destroyed and marred and unrecognizable as to what it was intended to be in the first place. And all the scripture tells us that with sin enters pain, enters Toil enters broken relationships and ultimately enters death. And so that all of creation is groaning and struggling on dealing with the consequences of sin. But God does not leave us there. And so God calls people and has throughout history. And he comes to the the nation of Israel and he calls people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, you know what? I want to call you to be not just follow me just for your own personal good, but to to be a blessing for the entire world. I'm going to do something in and through you that will do something for everyone in the entire world. So God calls the nation of Israel And even though there's the struggle back and forth between the nation and Israel and God, God does not relent. God continues. God continues to work and move them and try to point them in the right direction. And as we saw, God uses all kinds of different people, faulted and flawed people. He uses people to help them walk through on dry land and escape uh, slavery from the Egyptians He uses people like the judges and the kings and the prophets and the priests to help point the nation of Israel in the right direction. But ultimately, we see that it is it's it's not really a a full, complete picture. And there's always this pointing forward saying something is coming. The Messiah is coming. Someone will come and save you from your sins because 
you know what, what you're doing, you are wrestling with God, you're following me, but it hasn't fully come to fruition, the full salvation of God. And we see in the New Testament, as we flipped over kind of from the Old Testament to New Testament last week, all of the prophets proclaim and tell us that there will be a savior that comes for each and every one of us. And it's depicted by the angels saying, it'll be God with you, God in flesh there with you, because it is only God that can solve the problem of humanity. Not human will, human effort, not any of those things. It's only God intervening in our mess that can really uh, complete the picture and be the full uh, payment for our sins. And so Christ comes and he lives and he walks among us. And he tells us kind of what he's here to do. And he dies, but he's, he's risen again. And our... And that's kind of the, the picture and where we looked at the center point of all of kind of the scripture and human history last week with the cross. And I want to kind of the whole thing will come into view as we wrap it up next week. But I want you to kind of see the whole flow of the story. You see, because at the beginning it was good and God's will, but human uh, human beings made this world a mess God intervenes by calling a people to begin and at the center point of history God's uh, moment in history God dies and raises again is that salvation moment and then we shift into a time that is almost similar to what went before but it's a mere image of what happened before before yes you see on this side of, of the mural God calls the people and he calls them to bring us to the point of Christ. But after that, we realize and recognize that Jesus came for a specific purpose. Of course, he came to save us from our sins. But he leaves behind and tells us that he's going to leave behind something that is the season of time that we're really in right now. And so it's interesting for us to kind of look at it and really think about this period of time that we are living in right now. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 19, he says, um, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do the people say the son of man is? He's like, what's the word on the street about me? What are people saying about me? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So essentially they were they were equating him to some of those figures in the Old Testament and even a modern day prophet in that time, John the Baptist, who were people that pointed others to God. But Jesus says, what do you what about you? He asks, who do you say that I am? And in Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build the church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I struggle with 
lose. Yeah, I don't, I don't use that term frequently. But this is a profound moment where Jesus gathers with his disciples and is explaining some of the events that are going on right there. Is they're saying, what is it that we're doing here? What is it that Jesus is trying to accomplish here? And a lot of people say, maybe he's just like one of those other prophets that have come before, that have pointed the way towards the Messiah. And then Peter, who is one of his disciples, says, no, it's something more. You are the one that they were telling about. And Jesus says something that we need to... we need to recognize that what I think is the most profound and amazing fulfillment of prophecy ever recorded in Scripture. Jesus prophesies and he says that what you're saying right now is something that will build a foundation for my kingdom and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What you're saying is a truth, is a foundational truth, that what comes next will be founded on, and that principle will be founded on. That the church will be built on this profession, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is our hope. And and this foundation will go and continue, and evil will not overcome it. And so what we see is Jesus telling them in the future, what will happen is the church that is left behind after I leave this earth will not be overcome by evil, but will be built upon this confession of faith. And so Jesus says, this is going to, this is going to be something big. At this point in time, there's 12 people and a few other people following along with Jesus in a small corner of the world. For him to make a proclamation that this is going to go on and on and nothing will overcome it is a pretty bold statement. But now, standing today, we can look back and see how profoundly that was fulfilled. After, you know, 2,000 years of history where there's two billion plus people who have professed the name of Christ and churches who have have been built up all around the world upon this confession, we profoundly recognize Jesus was right. And he made an incredibly bold statement in saying that. You know, and Jesus tells them as time goes on more and more about what would unfold. In John 14, 25 through 27, he says, All of this I've spoken while I'm still with you. And he's having a conversation with his disciples, telling them, kind of encouraging them along and giving some private words. So read John 14 sometime. Really interesting words and encouragements he gives his disciples. But he's saying, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus tells them that the Holy Spirit will come and will continue the work and continue to encourage their hearts after his, his time on earth is gone. You know, the disciples, of course, had kind of mixed emotions and feelings as Jesus starts saying, I... I'm departing. 
I am going to die. He directly even said that a few times in scriptures and the disciples still kind of didn't grasp it. Because imagine walking with Jesus and him saying, I'm going to leave. That is troubling, right? But he's saying something that is really important for every one of us. He's saying, I, me, I am going to leave. Because Jesus in human flesh is there at one place at one time with those 12. But after his death and resurrection, the spirit of God will dwell among his people and go with them wherever they go. As they spread out to the ends of the earth, God's spirit will walk with them and be along with them. As profound and important the life of Jesus was when he was here on earth, and of course that's the centerpiece of the story and history of the scripture, it's pretty profound that Jesus says God's spirit will dwell among you. We remember as we look back a few weeks ago as the center of worship was the temple in the nation of Israel and they gathered to that physical place and gave their offerings to God. And we remember last week as we talked about as Jesus was dying on the cross, that temple curtain was torn in two and he says, it is finished and he was the final sacrifice for all sins. And he was the ultimate price that was paid and kind of that old a way of going to one specific locality, one place to offer your, your, your forgiveness and your sacrifices, that moment was also finished. And that time was done. And now the Spirit would come that would dwell among people all over every corner of the earth. And as the Scripture talks about it, Jesus says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You hear the language he's using. He's saying you personally are the temple of God going out into every corner of the earth. You, as you go and you follow my will and follow what I'm doing, you are like a mobile temple going all over the place to offer people forgiveness of their sins. And so it was an inevitable thing in the progression of what God was doing to say that not only would God's salvation come to a group of people when they gathered at one place and offered a sacrifice, that God's spirit would go to the corners of the earth and go amongst the people of God and it would be uh, forgiveness of sins would be offered to everyone. And so we see in the conclusion of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the next book in Scripture is the book of Acts that gives us kind of the history of what happened the immediate years following Jesus' life. And it says in Acts chapter 2, and we're not going to read through it all, it kind of gives us these pictures of what would take place. And in Acts chapter 2, it says they were gathered there wondering what comes next. And in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God comes to the people and gives them kind of direction and motivation to move forward to all corners of the earth. God supernaturally gives them the ability to proclaim the message of Christ to all languages of the earth. And it says in the conclusion of Acts chapter 2 that there was thousands of people that came to a relationship with Christ. And in verse 42, it says they devoted them, 
or I'm sorry, in verse 41, it says, those who accepted this message were baptized and 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe with the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone in need. They, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so the, the incredible message of uh, Jesus explodes after he leaves this earth. Pretty profound and pretty amazing. And it explodes in an, in an amazing way where God's spirit dwells among the people. And God's spirit goes with those people. And they're given new, new authority and new boldness and new ability to proclaim God's message to the ends of the earth. They go beyond the nation of Israel and go uh, to what we see today. So... The scripture paints this picture that I would sum up as the kingdom of God coming to earth. Earlier today, we kind of took some time to pray and prayed that prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Jesus is doing and deliberately leaves behind his kingdom that is fulfilled through the people of God who follow what he wants done. All throughout the Old Testament, they were looking for this king, this Messiah that they thought would rule the world like any other political king would rule. But instead, Jesus over and over says, my kingdom is not of this world. There's other things that my kingdom is about. And they start to see this picture of God's spirit dwelling among them and going to the ends of the earth. where ordinary people like you and me. Go and interact with other people. And when they do, God's kingdom comes right among them. An amazing and profound statement that God's kingdom is coming and has come. And so what does the scripture say all these people are all about? Here's a couple of things. And let's read some of the the scriptures here about uh, what the people of God are called to do. In the book of Jude, 1, 3, it says this. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I feel compelled to write you and urge you to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. It's one of those reminders in this short book that is just saying that what you were entrusted, you were entrusted to be the caretakers of the kingdom of heaven and the faith that Christ left to you. You are entrusted. Remember that the people who say, I believe in Jesus are entrusted with this message to preserve it, to carry it on, to pass it on, for it to, to, to shine like a light all over the world. 
And so the people of God were entrusted with this precious gift. And you can see back as we look back in the story, just like those people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all those people were entrusted with something that would bless the entire world. God comes and expands that message that is fulfilled through us. It says, you are the caretakers of this message. You are the ones that will proclaim this to the entire earth. It's a big privilege and challenge. It's awe-inspiring to think that God has done this, but all throughout history, he's entrusting the message to continue on with people who are faithfully saying, I will follow, and I will do that. You're entrusted to be caretakers of the faith. In Matthew 28, as Jesus, right before he would leave this earth, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives this great final speech, the great commission, where he says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. He says that what are the people that follow him to be about? They are to go and teach. They're to go and proclaim They're to go to the ends of the earth and let other people know about this. They're to baptize people, reminding them and pointing them to the forgiveness offered through Jesus Christ. They're to go and do these things and to, to, to be bold about that because God, this is what God's kingdom is coming through them as they go to all these places around the, around the globe. And then it says, an, in Romans chapter 12 too, what the people of God are to do. Romans 12 two says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're challenged to transform, to be different, to be set apart. You remember the nation of Israel is called to be unique and set apart. And the scripture also tells us that the people of God are to be transformed, are to be different, are to be following in God's kingdom instead of everybody else's kingdom, to be transformed inside and out and to go and transform the world as a result. It is incredible to see the big picture coming together and kind of see the moment in time that God has put us in. That there was way back, if we look back, it's Abraham who was some kind of nomadic shepherd who, you know, like a couple thousand years before Jesus came to earth, he said, you are going to start something that becomes a blessing to the entire world. And the movement of God comes through the nation of Israel, points to the person of Jesus Christ, and then is sent out on mission all 
throughout the world through people like you and me. That the Spirit of God would go with us to transform, to go everywhere, to not just, you know, not just be some story that like we look to, but to be something that transforms us from the inside out and goes with us wherever we go. And so we live in this unique time right here in history, which is an interesting time, which is kind of the parentheses of the story, so to speak. What salvation has come through the person of Jesus Christ, hope is offered. We understand how God can save us and has saved us. And Christ's kingdom has come but hasn't been fully realized yet. As the scripture says, God is giving this parentheses in human history an opportunity for the world to take the moment in time to repent and come back to Christ before the end of this this story, which we'll talk about next week. This parenthesis and this unique moment in time is where God says salvation is offered and go to the ends of the earth to give people an opportunity to hear and understand and embrace the kingdom of God that has come and is coming through you. Amazing time in history. And so we are kind of in this in-between world. We're in this in-between world where the story is coming clear, where God has said, this is what it's all about, but it's not quite fully here yet. And it's an amazing point in time. In Hebrews chapter 11, uh, the author kind of goes through almost the story that we've gone through. And, and points to all of these heroes of faith that went before all throughout the story. And it kind of gives us this, this, this picture of all these incredible people that set the stage for where we're at right here and now. And at the conclusion of that, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, because you know the story, therefore, that's what Hebrews 1.12 starts with. Because you know all of this that has gone before you, because of all the stage that was set to this point in time in history, therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud, a great cloud of witness, witnesses, since we are surrounded by all of these people that went before us and took the story to the point in time that we're at right now, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before us, he endured the cross, scorning shame. And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See all the things he's, the author is saying is, is saying that now that you're in this season of time, all these things have led us to, up to this moment. You know, don't get distracted. 
Get rid of all of the sin that has destroyed. Focus your attention. Get rid of all of that. And run with perseverance. Run the race set before you. Run the race this point in time. Carry that baton forward with with the season that you have been put in. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Recognize that it has been done and it has been finished and salvation has come. Focus your eyes on that and don't grow tired in what you're doing because God is doing something amazing in and through you in this season of time. We live in a unique time in all of history and God has placed us here. All the great cloud of witnesses and all the backstory that went before us put us in this season, in this time, right here, right now. This unique parentheses in history where it is finished, God's salvation has come, but in and through us, it's being proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And when we gather together and we proclaim it, it's coming right here among us. Don't grow weary. Continue on. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord, what a profound time in history that we live in. As the picture becomes clear, clearer and clearer as history moves forward. We see clearly now what you were doing all those years ago. We see clearly that salvation has come. And so God, right now, the time and era that we're in, we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for people to repent of their sins. We pray for us to flee from sin and continue on the race set before us. We pray, God, for your kingdom to come right here among us. And so, God, even though there's times where we're tired, discouraged, help us to be filled with joy, filled with your spirit as we go about our days as kingdom people. People not of this world, but of your kingdom. Help us to be caretakers of the faith. Help us to go and proclaim your name. Help us, God, to transform the world. 